My name is Julio Guerra, and I am into street art and comics. Do you like to sit around for a while? Found yourself a little pet crocodile. Do you like to just live in the moment? Do you like the stars and moon in the comics? What do you like? Do you like? What do you like? Do you like? What do you like? Do you like? Welcome to What Do You Like, the podcast where we get to know a person through their passions and hobbies. Today on the podcast, we are graced by a very special person. We have a graphic designer. We have a comic book artist, a comic book publisher, a comic book developer, writer, everything in comic books. We have a person who is quite possibly one of the nicest people in the world. We have on the podcast, Julio Guerra. Welcome to the podcast, Julio. Hey, what's going on, Jeremy? Hey, man, that intro was way more than needed or expected. You put me over too much, man. I appreciate it, though. No, uh, you, you earned every bit of that. Uh, a lot of people on other podcasts have always talked about how nice I am. And I like to think I put on a really nice face and I am generally easy to get along with. Um, but you are someone who definitely goes out of their way to to really help out people. Um, even like right when you first started, uh, you work currently at Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, mm-hmm. When you first started there, you were super nice to everyone from the very beginning, even when you had no idea who anyone was. Um, and that's a personality trait that I think is very, I don't want to say unique to you, but you definitely encompass for sure. <laughs> No, I appreciate it, man. I just try to, you know, treat everyone how I want to be treated and whatnot. Except if your name is Michael Herrera, then that's a whole different deal. <laughs> well, I mean, he treats other people like he likes to be treated, so it works out all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but to move on from Michael, we're not going to talk about Michael in this podcast. We're talking about your passions and the passions that you've brought to us today. Um, very interesting. We have... Graffiti and comic books. Yeah. Both in the in the art realm. One very much uh, classic. It's been around for a hundred years. Well recognized. The other has a very seedy past. And how they've come together to form the perfect passion in your mind. I want to dig into this. All right. So let's talk about... so. Which one kind of came first? Which which area were you more interested in as a child? Um, definitely comic books. Um, my uncle uh, was around, or he is around, uh, but his time frame was like the golden, I wouldn't say like the golden age, but the superhero age of comics. So he was around when like Hydra made their debut against uh, Nick Fury. So he... He saw the groundwork and got to read the early Stanley, Jack Kirby, Dicko, uh, Steranko books uh, as a kid. And he would swap with his friends and, and stuff like that. He was more of a Marvel guy and he had a buddy that was a DC guy. So, you know, he was in the comics heavily. Like he would do chores to get the money to run to like the, the malt shop or something and get his books and, and stuff like that. Uh, then when he got older, obviously, you know, more things come into play, you know, your academics and then, you know, finding a job and stuff like that. 
And then uh, in 1984, my mom told my uncle she was pregnant and with me. And right away, he was like, I hope it's a boy because I want him to read comics and I want to show him baseball and stuff like that. And so uh, 1984, his comic book or his passion for comic books was reunited or uh, relit or uh, however you want to say it. It came back to him because uh, that was the year that Frank Miller debuted uh, Dark Knight, which was probably one of the greatest Batman stories ever told. So everything just kind of fell in line. And my first gift into the world was a Superman comic book. So I was given comics since the day I entered entered the, the universe, pretty much. Wow, so this is very much like it kind of ingrained in you. And so you mentioned this is your uncle. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, feel free if you don't want to dive into this, but was your father not around? Yeah, no. Um, so I didn't grow up with a biological father. I was, um, I had my stepdad, which he's been around since I was like three. And so I have like a small uh, family, Uh, unlike, you know, the traditional Hispanic families where they're huge and stuff like that. It's always just been like me, my grandmother, uh, my mom and my uncle. Uh, Currently right now, it's just me and my mom, my uncle and my stepdad. Uh, So, yeah, having a father wasn't really like a thing. Like my uncle was like my big brother, my father figure, my stepdad, obviously a father figure. But I was basically blessed with basically two moms within my grandmother and my mother, who my grandmother was really big into fine art. So that was like another thing that came in as well. Oh, let's kind of go into that. Like what what kind of fine art are you talking about here? Like Picasso style or? Yeah, um, you know, like the stuff you'll see in a museum and, and things of that nature, like paintings and sculptures and um you know, illustrations, so like the Da Vinci illustrations and stuff like that. She was always very, very intrigued with that stuff. And then my mother tried to draw as well, um, and she had some talent with it and whatnot, but pursued a different path. Um, And then on my biological father's side, same thing. It was like art and music on their end where they they drew a lot and uh, they tried to pursue it, but it didn't really go anywhere and stuff. Also, like it's in uh, your whole family has like an artist background. It's like almost destined for you to go into some sort of artist profession. Um, oh, so yeah. let's go with you as use a child. You're reading comic books. Um, when was it the first time that you decided to like? Mm, let me try to make one of these. Um, when I was really little, um, it's when like Barnes and Noble was like heavily populated. Um, and Borders was just coming up. Uh, there was a uh, a kit. You know how they have like the little art kits and stuff like that, or like the craft kits that come with an instructional booklet. And, like, oh, how to make the braces and uh, bracelets and stuff. There was like a comic book one, and it came with already like assembled comic books, but like the cover and the interior pages were blank. But it came with panels already in it. So you're able to fill in the panels. So that was given to me. And my first thing I, I did was like the X-Men versus Star Trek. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I had like Magneto be the big baddie, of course, and stuff like that. But I was probably like eight 
when I was like, hey, I'm going to try this out and, and just fulfill it. Because that's how basically, too, like how I kind of read and put my own adventures together was through comics. So I was like, let me figure this out. Interesting. So do you still have that comic book anywhere? Yeah, it's at my mom's house. It's It looks so bad, dude. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, sh- I'm sure. I mean. Again, I think everyone understands that you were eight when you created it. <laughs> um, but I think that that'd be really interesting to like. When was the last time you looked at it? Oh man, um, I probably looked at. Uh, I want to say like seven years ago when I started taking art seriously. So interesting. I'd be, yeah. be so. I think it'd be so much fun to look at that again. If you if you ever bring it out around me, I definitely want <laughs> to take a peek at that. Um, <laughs> But I mean, that, I think that I think that's uh, throughout this podcast, I've kind of learned a little bit about when passions develop. Some a lot of times, it's either like in adulthood when you've kind of grown and kind of figured out who you are. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of them are also right in that range, like late elementary school. Um, and I think it's very much when people are developing oh, yeah. who they are and they they latch on to an interest and. What do you think uh, about comics has kept your interest for all these years? Um, well, it's a few things. One, like I said, is like it's that connection with my uncle. That's our bonding time. Like that was that's my father son time. That's my hanging with my big brother time. Is for comics. Like we started going to conventions and like meeting artists together and. Um, going to signings and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's a deep connection with my uncle. Like, that's our special thing is, is comic books and baseball. And then just how to escape reality and and stuff like that. You know, it, it sucks already what's going on, especially, like, right now. And then you have an art form. Uh, I would want to say that that was bastardized and stuff like that for a long time. Uh, and that coincides with the uh, street art stuff, but just being able to go outside of the box and tell these stories with no, with no limits that it can take you to other worlds and you can be introduced to new characters and new worlds and universes and problems and situations and, um, solutions and just like stuff to kind of get you outside of the everyday mundane stuff that's going on, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's important, especially as a, as a kid. I mean, I think I just think back to when I was a kid, like every like bad thing that happens in life, you, you, you could almost view it as like the end of the world. Cause your, your frame of reference is so small. Yeah. Um, but to have that escape, like I had uh wrestling growing up, yeah. <laughs> um. And you had kind of books, and and I I know you. Well, you also like wrestling a little bit. Oh, yeah. Your family did. Oh yeah, our like our family. Like I was listening to the one you did with Vinny. He was like he went as far back as his grandparents, our uh, great grandparents, going to wrestling. That's the same thing here. He's like my grandmother was watching. Lucha Libre, which got me into it. And then my uncle was watching like the Bruiser and the Crusher and early WWF stuff. And he just stuck around. And I, I think that coincides with comic books too. If you think about it, it's just like 
live action comic books. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that that's a that's a pretty common way to describe it's easy I think there are two ways to describe wrestling. It's either a uh male soap opera or live action comic books. But I think male soap opera's kinda of fallen on the wayside as we kinda it's 2020. We're kind of understanding gender roles a little bit more and, and yeah. putting people less in boxes. But live action comic book still perfectly describes it. Um, mm-hmm. But you mentioned like earlier, obviously, the, the two passions are comics and street art. Yeah. When did street art kind of enter into the, the picture? Uh, I want to say early on as well. Because of where my location, where I where I grew, was born and raised, there's a lot of trains. Um, there's always trains. We always complain like how like every part of the city is edged off by a train track, and it's basically true. You can't like leave the area without hitting some sort of train track. So seeing all the the graphites on the trains, seeing all the writing on there and stuff like that, and what captured me was uh, the colors. I was very attracted to the colors and the use of color and stuff like that. Um, and that what helped me with like color theory and stuff uh, was seeing those trains and then like falling around that time, you know, 80 in the early eighties, late eighties, early nineties, it was a big hip hop movement too. So it was like growing with that and seeing more of, you know, the different bat and like battling crews who were like, you know, now it's like, oh, you battle, you pretty much lose your life. Where here it was like a test of wits and and skill. Like you had to up your skill to be better than the guy you were going against or the crew. So seeing all that, it was more, you know, that's what got in, got me into it. And then seeing like there was the, how can I say, you don't need the best material to create a piece. Uh, all you need is the drive and the basic things and you can make like, the greatest thing out of nothing and seeing that and understanding that mental and stuff helped me with the comics and wanting to be out just like outlandish outlandish as the colors and everything that you see on on the trains and then seeing them on walls and uh stuff like that because i wasn't really introduced to fine art until like high school like, I, yeah, I've been to a museum as a kid, you know, like a school field trip in elementary school. But, I mean, you don't really concept it. You're just like, oh, I'm in this big thing. And, you know, oh, I've seen that in my book before. It didn't really, like, hit. So just seeing how, like, everything was put together and it was another art form. And then seeing how, like, Spider-Man or the Hulk or someone in those grift pieces and then putting the, the two loves together. Yeah, I think I think that is that very it's very interesting in that you kind of just like found this love for art through art that spoke most to you. I think that's what art is supposed to do. Yeah. Um you you brought up uh, a thought I had or an experience I had where you like going to a museum as a kid and not really appreciating it. Yeah. Um your grandmother and you probably are going to be very mad at me when I tell you this story. <laughs> um but I, in college, I spent a semester in Leicester, England. Oh, nice. Um, and while I was there, I spent a weekend in Paris. Oh. And I was like, well, I'm in Paris. I should go to the Louvre. Mm-hmm. And I went to Louvre, and I was like, 
ah, this is really cool. All this good art. I don't know anything about any of this art. <laughs> I went up to the Mona Lisa. I was very disappointed because um, <laughs> it's like really small and like there's a bunch of people around it. So I was like, this is uncomfortable. So I'm just like walking around the Louvre and uh, just walking and walk. All of a sudden there's like this like statue in like the middle of a walkway. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And I look at it, I was like, oh, this looks kind of familiar, but I don't know what this is. And then I walk around to the front of it and see it as, oh, it's the Venus de Milo, one of the most famous <laughs> statues ever. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad I saw that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is, <laughs> I mean, that's my my understanding of fine art. Uh, but there's a lot of like the, the other arts like um, that I definitely am more attracted to. And I think that speaks also to like, how graffiti spoke to you um when did you like because i i assume you started to actually do graffiti art what was it like the first time you went somewhere and because i mean graffiti is uh i'm sure we're past the statute of limitations but there's a (laughs) there's a legal aspect to it there is um yeah so it was just more of a adrenaline rush like, oh, I can get this up there and stuff like that. And then, like, um, I didn't start, like, really doing that until college um, because it was, like, hard to, you know, you got at that time it was, like, you had to be 18 or over to get cans and stuff like that. So I really couldn't get it while I was in high school or I didn't really know anyone who can get them. So it was until, like, I was after 18 and I was able to go get cans and then looking at websites to get the various tips and, and stuff like that. Um, so I started hitting like, um, underpasses and stuff like that. And that was fun. Like just putting stuff up and creating my own stencil, you know, what my Griff name and, and do that. And so I, it was cool to basically like try to figure out how to combine, like compact everything I need in a book bag and make sure I have my cardboard stencil and I have everything. So it was more like an outing more fun outing and then when i had like a buddy or, or a few buddies that i was able to go out with i made it even more fun because we're trying to you know look out make sure you know you don't get caught or anything and you know do your tag and, and leave <laughs> as fast as possible and then you want it to look nice so that those were good times man i enjoyed those like i'm too old for that now but then like in college uh, I had one professor who knew all that and started like letting me do canvas. So he was letting me spray paint on canvas. Like he'll, he taught me how to stretch my own canvas and stuff like that. Uh, and then he was like, yeah, it's go over here in this one section. And what we had were like, I wouldn't say like patio areas, but we had access to outside, but it was like rooftop. So I would just take my canvases out there, be on the roof of the college and just spraying, you know, have my headphones in. So that, it was like a, a release. It was a different release. And it, like, like I said, there's no limits when it comes to that because, again, you're just expressing yourself and having fun with colors and stuff like that. So that it was always fun because, again, it, it was therapeutic, I would say, where like doing comics and stuff, yeah, there's it's still being creative, but it depends. Like if I'm writing the comic myself or if I'm working with somebody and then, um, 
have to compromise and see each other's visions and stuff like that, which isn't bad. I, I mean, I like doing it, but just like it's a one one man army when you're riding on Griff, you know. Sure, sure. I mean, and there's just more restrictions when yeah. you're in a medium like comic books because I mean, there's a certain expectation people are who are going to be reading it, whereas. Oh, yeah. Uh, graffiti there's a little more freedom I mean really all you need for a graffiti piece is spray paint and a, and a wall yeah something <laughs> yeah something, something along those lines so like uh, I want to kind of dive in so this professor yeah um, how did how did this professor find out about this like were you like openly talking about it or was it like this professor looked in your eyes and were like this person has done street <laughs> art for sure uh, no so I had in college, I had two really badass professors. Uh, it was Wes Barrier and Martin Martinez. And um, they actually wanted to know what you liked. So they sat down and talked to everyone individually. And how these two gentlemen taught were to strengthen your base. They weren't going to teach you like, oh, yeah, you need to do this still life and you need to do it X, Y, and Z. Even though we did still lives and uh, life drawings and stuff like that, but he didn't make it like everyone had to look the same. He um, basically was like, hey, these are the rules. You're going to break these rules because then that's how you're going to develop your style. But I need to know what your background is and I need to strengthen you in that to kind of sneak these other rules in. So like, my oil painting, he let me oil paint opposite of like the graffiti stuff. Cause graffiti stuff, you know, is very, it's very bright and colorful where my oil paints are all dark and muddy. And um, I, I would put it like this way when I started doing like gallery shows and stuff like that, I had a lot of people saying, Are you okay in the head? Like, are you okay emotionally? <laughs> because it, it was a, a big contrast. But then he would like, okay, uh, go ahead and go freestyle. So like some, you know, because you don't want to sit there working on four hours of an oil painting, you know, and then you have to break away because then all everything starts looking the same and you can mess it up. So he was like, okay, you know, this week go freestyle, you know, and whatnot. You can do other things. So, like, I would just take all the Sharpies and take one big paper and work on it. And then he goes, oh, you see what you did there? That's what you need to apply to your oil paint. You see how the use of white or whatever, this, this, and that. And then he will apply it like that. So he just found everyone's strengths and stuff like that, which was really cool. Um, and that was Wes. Uh, Martin was more like, I'm going to help you develop your storytelling because we bonded over comic books and horror movies and stuff like that. Again, he wanted to know where you were coming from. And he was the uh, photography professor, but then he did art history as well. So he knew, like, I was big into griff writing and, and comic books. So he would set up, like, uh, projects for everybody. It was like, oh, okay, you have to make an advertisement. You know, go do a photo shoot for advertisement. So he let me do, like, one based on uh comic books like oh i'm doing an advertisement for a comic book shop and then he was like okay i want you guys to do portraits and stuff like that so then i had a buddy who wanted to get into cosplay 
So he posed for me and then I was able to basically make my portrait into a comic book page. And then from there, he was like, okay, this one's an open-ended one. And I was like really big into taking photos of my action figures to make them look larger than life and stuff like that. So he's like, hey, how about you make a comic book page using your action figures and angles and this and that um, to basically tell a story. So it was cool just seeing these guys take, you know, and try to teach from what you already had. So their, their methods were really different as opposed to like the other art teachers I had. Um, not knocking the other art teachers or anything, but they understood because of what their backgrounds were. So like Wes was really big into Gothic style uh, etchings and stuff like that. So when we did printmaking, he was like, okay, you want to look at your negative spaces. And this is how, you know, when you oil paint, you have to look at it different. But when you look at it as if you're griff writing, this is what you pull from the griff right. So that will come out and, you know, uh, it'll print better if you looked at that. Or how would you make it 3D and stuff like, you know, he was very, very more into what you were into. Both of them were and to again, strengthen you that way. So. I appreciate their teaching. I haven't seen anything like that in a while either. Yeah, it's almost it almost seems like you had the the dream college experience when it came to <laughs> professors. Even just with those two, I mean, I I graduated from a four year university, and we're not going to talk about how long it took me. Um, <laughs> but I graduated, uh, and I definitely there was a couple professors that I definitely feel like I I connected with, uh, but not to that level. Um, to really like, it's almost like they became like personal mentors. Was it just for you? Or was it like everyone in the class kind of had that experience with these professors? So everybody had that experience with them. Um, and one of my closest, dearest friends is in, from that college, from that class. And he, he's very different art style for me. He does like this very intricate line work. Um, very Dali-esque and very, um, oh man, like if Hunter Hearst or not Hunter, I was going to say Triple H, my fault. Um, <laughs> the guy who wrote Fear and Loathing. Hunter Thompson. Thompson. There you go. Yeah. That's why I was messing up because Hunter was they're, the first. <laughs> they're very uh, similar <laughs> people, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But he was like, if he was art, that's what I would describe my buddy Derek's art more like. And wow. Wes saw that and helped him develop that. So he had him do like, okay, work on this. You know, you're, you're very intricate lines and very Gothic style. So he like gave him references for that and the practice for that. And then we had an, another buddy of mine uh, who was big into manga. So like they, the two professors actually were not vast in the knowledge of manga. But they researched it to help my buddy Isaac out and what he wanted to achieve in the class. So they would they would do that. They would take their own time to research what you were into to help get the, the lesson across. So they sat down with everybody, which was amazing. Man, now I know why you're such a nice person. You had, <laughs> you had all these, these like that is one of the the most 
uh, one one of the most caring ways to teach, and also probably one yeah. of the most efficient use of money. Because I'm still in a lot of debt from college, <laughs> and I didn't have that kind of personal attention. Uh, my college experience. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, I won't blame you this time. Okay. Um, <laughs> when I think of October, I think of leave changing colors, warm apple cider, staying warm around a campfire, and being scared shitless the entire month. The good news is, I can be comfortable while terrified by wearing the great apparel from thecrypticcloset.com. There you can get your horror parody t-shirts, masks, and the world-famous Fanny DeVito. And exclusively for listeners of this podcast, you can use promo code WDYL20 at checkout for 20% off your entire order. Again, that is promo code WDYL20 for 20% off your entire order at thecrypticcloset.com. Now I'm going to go hide under my blankets for the rest of the month while you enjoy the rest of this episode. Uh, but so like to so that's your like art school yeah. experience. When did you start to like kind of take the comic book uh, writing and creation more seriously? Was that also in college or was it a little before college? Uh, it, it was more recent. So in college, too, I was in a band like high school was like art and music. So I was in a band. We opened up for Chevelle. We uh, did some traveling and touring and stuff like that. And uh, like, it's funny because like listening to Vinny's interview with you, I was like, man, no wonder why he and I are really close. It's like parallel lifestyles where he too was like, yeah, music's my passion. That's going to be my life. And I thought the same thing for a long time. So art wasn't really there. Uh, And then my grandmother had passed of cancer and she was my biggest supporter. Basically, my grandmother was like the love of my life. She still is, very much so. Uh, and when she passed, it was like my world crashed. Um, so I was in like a very dark place for a long time. And uh, I started getting a little more creative with my buddy. Um, another buddy of mine who comes from the same area went to the same school and everything and he he saw like there's nothing out here for our youth so he wanted to do something because um a high school teacher uh introduced him to videography and editing and sound engineering and stuff like that and did a after school program and basically got my buddy off the streets and now he's like a world-renowned videographer um so he he wanted to do that and then he was like oh there's like a little boom going on of uh, pop culture around here and griff writing started coming out a lot more because we have a a group of artists called kessa crew uh that is world renowned from my from my hometown and that's who the artwork um i was getting into when i saw the graffiti stuff was kessa crew and I uh, became friends with like one of the head guys there and he would take me into the studio and he would just let me sketch and ask him questions. And to this day, like we're, we're still good friends. And he goes, yeah, I remember like all these kids would come in and you're the only one who still pursues art. 
and I didn't feel like I wasted my time and stuff. So uh, shortly after I was interning at Social Arts, which is a big art thing out here in Northwest Indiana. And um, I came across one of the workers because I had interned there like my first or my last two years of college. And that's when everything started going downhill. And I was like a year, maybe two years out. And I saw her and she asked me, she's like, oh, you're doing art. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing anything, just working. And, uh, and she goes, why? And I told her and she goes, well, to honor your grandmother, you know, since she was big in the art and she will always come to the art show. Don't let that dream die. And at the same time, my buddy who became the videographer sat me down for four hours and gave me like a talking to. And basically like, hey, man, like. I'd rather lose my friendship with you and see the world lose such a challenge or a God, you know, the gift God gave you to go to waste. I'd much rather lose my friend than for you to waste God's gift on, you know, on you type deal. So I'm going to talk sternly to you and, he, you know, he pissed me off and I was like, I'll show him, you know, how you get like, Oh yeah, you think I'm nothing. eh?" Um, so that kind of like lit the fire under my butt a little bit and started getting into it more and diving in. Um, and then I started setting goals like, okay, um, I'm going to do two gallery shows this month. I'm going to do four. And it just kept growing up. And then there was a bar, not a bar, but a brewery that started coming up called 18th street. And uh, they started favoring a lot to the artist community. Uh, but it wasn't like fine artists. It was like just illustrators and just random, like really cool stuff that you won't see in a museum, but artisans and stuff like that. And I started seeing the community here. And in that, they would do this thing called the Ben Art Fair. And that's how I met my buddy or my, I would can, I'd call him my brother, uh, Adam Farster. And I had saw something of his, which was like a Joker Batman thing, but it was done like very graffiti-esque. And that caught my attention again. I was like, oh, I got to meet this guy and this and that. And we already like kind of met through Drinking Draws, uh, which is just an event where you just hang out with a bunch of other artists, talk shop, draw and drink. And it kind of built the artist community out here. Um, and that would lead into other stuff that plays out now. But I uh, saw Adam and we were talking and he was like, yeah, I got this idea for a comic book. And I told him, I was like, hey, man, if you do it, I'll back it. So we're talking about Kickstarter and stuff like that. And he did it and he backed it. And then I told him I had an idea for a comic. And he was like, if you do it, I'll back it. So just having him and meeting him, that snowballed into a good, I want to say this might be my eight years now that it's fully been, I want probably like nine years that I went from like traditional art gallery stuff to guerrilla publishing which adam is a co-founder for now i think i think that's that's exciting that you had like i think sometimes everyone needs that that person that is gonna like sit you down and like explain to the world because you you cannot see the world i think it's very easy um to kind of get into your own head oh yeah Um, (laughs) <laughs> so I think it's great that you had that person and it, it also takes a lot to like listen and like 
actually like take in what they're saying. Um, so that that's amazing that you were able to do that. Um, and then you mentioned the creation of Gorilla Publishing. Yeah. Um, for those of you that are listening, Gorilla Publishing is your publishing company. You publish your own comic books and other people's comic books. Yeah. Um, what was it like? Because at that point, you kind of took your your passion and made it more of a business. Because before, it's probably just gallery shows and like uh, looking for crowdfunding. But at that point, yeah. you're, you're you're kind of starting a business. What was that like to kind of mix those two, your, your art and the, the commerce part of it? Uh, it was cool, man. Like, so it was doing like these little art festivals and stuff like that. And just it, I didn't have any like real comic book stuff yet. I would do like sketch covers. So for those who don't know, a sketch cover is basically uh, these comic book companies like Marvel or DC will release a comic book and they will release like in the comic around it will be a Bristol board or basically like an art paper uh, on it where you can draw on the comic and sell it. So it'll be a one of a kind, never redone um, cover so someone can either buy those and take it to the conventions and have their favorite artists like do a potential sketch or something on them. So I was doing those, excuse me, those kind of things on top of like vinyl custom, uh, like Funkos. Uh, I was doing like those type of things and like my paintings. So kind of building a brand was, was kind of fun. Um, because then you have to like look at other people and study what they're doing and make sure you're not like doing what they're doing and, uh, just going from there. So that was cool. And then networking, that way you can find out what the next show is and then go there and see if you can make enough and see if you fit there and stuff like that. So that was, that was cool. Um, cause it was basically like finding myself again, you know, like there was like how you said earlier, you know, you're finding yourself when you're younger and that's how you start building your interests and stuff like that as a kid. But then going through all that and then repurposing myself and basically selling myself to these people <laughs> at these festivals and stuff like that it was really, it was weird. Um, I was told uh, I'm a lot better at it now because at first, like the whole reason why I wanted to do art was because it's a faceless media, you know, like you can just go like do a painting or whatever, hang in a gallery and then just hang back and watch people interpret your art by the way they see it, you know, what their mind's eye tells them or where their, you know, mental place is when they see your artwork. And you don't have to conversate with them because your your art's already doing that. Where, like you said, going out there and building the business, you got to put yourself out there. You got to talk to these people. You got to make it relate. Um, because they want to know, and then you're building that relationship with that person and they want to know why you made this comic book. Why, what was the idea behind it? How can they connect to it as opposed to just looking at a painting? Because now essentially they got over dozens of drawings from you in this 24, 32 or whatever page book and they have to connect to it and you got to tell them a story and basically guide them out of, out of whatever they're feeling. You know, if they're picking your book up to laugh, you got to make sure you're making them laugh. And then two, like, oh yeah, I really like that. The guy was cool when I saw him. 
at this convention or whatever and then that brings them back like hey i still had this book or you know when's your next one coming out i really enjoyed this one and we, i can tell what place you were in when you were making it and stuff like that so it went against what i wanted to do <laughs> which was like i just want my art to say everything and, and do everything but now it's it's me doing it and building a brand has been fun because at first, like, we were all singly doing this. So Gorilla Publishing's three guys. It's uh, myself, Adam Forrester, who I talked about earlier, and then our buddy Ben Miller. And the whole reason why this thing happened was, like I said, I met Adam at 18th Street through the Drink and Draws and the band Art Fairs. And then that's how slowly we started noticing that there's more comic book artists in our Northwest Indiana area. Um. So we, or Adam started this group called The Lab, which would have been, or which was a safe place for inspiring comic book artists. It was for us to talk openly about helping each other out or networking. Hey, this con's, you know, opening up for signups and stuff like that. So we were able to do that. We all kind of, we were a group, but we were working individually. Like Adam had Humalian. I had Super Debbie Dad and Deathbag. Miller had Judges. Uh, everybody had like everything everywhere at the time. But we wanted to like combine forces. And then uh, I'm, I'm a fan of these guys outside of them being my family. Uh, I saw them getting constant rejection letters from Marvel and DC and Image. And you name it, they got a rejection letter. And so did I. But these two guys, um, you know, started the movement out here along with uh, Brian Grabinski, who runs Northwest Indiana Comic-Con, were like really inspiring and pushing each other to, to rise up. They weren't like, oh, well, I'm doing this book and I can only go here. They're like, no, hey, man, I'm doing this book. Do a pinup in the book. How can it was very much like I'm going to pull you up with me because I'm up here and we just kept doing that chain. And then seeing these two amazing talents just get rejected to the point where they're like, hey, um, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing this. Because it co unfortunately costs a lot of money. A lot of, you know, we both, all three of us have nine to fives. Uh, they're married with kids. So there is a lot of variables where they can't give as much, but they want to. And then when you keep seeing all this stuff, you're just like, why am I, why am I doing this? So to see them in, in that kind of mindset, I got kind of fed up and at the same time we uh, the documentary of image comics came up, which is basically like these guys, which is the main guys right now when Tom McFarlane with spawn and Jim Lee, who now runs DC comics were really upset with Marvel and they were tired of saying, stop telling us what to do. We're trying to create and do this. Like we want to push the limit for Marvel. We want to make you guys better but it's basically you're playing in their sandbox with their toys and, you know, they're going to be how they want to be. So they broke out and started Image Comics and it was like no rules. We just do what we want and have fun with it. So I saw that and saw what was going on and I pitched them like, hey, who's to tell us what we're doing is wrong? Who's, who, why, why is there a, a person above us? telling us that we can't create the way we want to create so we started talking and everything and at first adam was pretty much just like i'll help you guys out whatever you need and so miller and i ran with it for a while and now adam came 
like officially on board. We always said he was an official member, but he was just like, no, no, I just help you out. And then we finally like broke him <laughs> to the point where he's like, I'm officially a member. So it's, it's cool because now we're taking our friends with us, like Ashley Esper with Ralph's and, uh, you know, we teamed up with Vinny with the cryptic closet and then there's strength in numbers, you know, and then with cryptic closet, we were able to help some people who always wanted to break into comics, break into comics with this book. And that was really cool. We're seeing a lot of first timers and, and stuff like that. And I mean, that's probably one of our most successful things right now is that book because you can see the passion and stuff behind it. And we're talking uh, right now, we're talking about the cryptic closet two, right? The sequel that is officially about to be released um, in uh, November. So pretty soon, Um, I guess uh, this might be a good time to tell people about that and and see, I know there's a Kickstarter for people to kind of fund it. Um, but can I talk about where people can find it um, when it comes out and when the official releases? Oh, man. So the uh, official release will, probably, uh, will be like the first week of November. Um, yeah. So Cryptic Closet's weird, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know how to get into it because usually I'm like, so Vinny, so me and Vinny became good friends or whatnot, and he was doing Cryptic Closet, which is a apparel thing. I'm doing the comic book thing. And uh, a few years ago, he was like, hey, man, we should definitely do like team up and do something. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And we're both big fans of EC Comics, which basically brought like Cretan, the, the creep show style, you know, horror anthology in the comics and Tales from the Crypt and uh, Tales from the Grave and stuff like that. They gave like those pop noir horror stories into a comic and those those are fun to read they're oh man some of them are still eerie and hold up to this day so we ran along with it and everything and at one point you know gorilla started and cryptic closet was really hitting the gears and we're just like okay let's strike right now and so we got all our friends that thought we'll be in it or who had interest or passion about art or horror. And we created this, I want to say like 40, 30, 40 page book of horror stories and pinups. And it was insane. um, Like it was, you just saw everyone upping one another and like friendly competition and building each other up and like, there, there was really no problems with getting these creators together and like, Hey, we're going to do this book for the love of just doing it. And on the day we released it, uh, Vinny and Moses and I had another business thing going on called the horror house. And um, we debuted it there and it was like the top, like the most sales we had on a release date. And I think uh, without Kickstarter, we had an additional 50 sales. Like, people just came up and like, oh, I heard about this book and this and that. And so we did that. And then in July, I want to say we ran the Kickstarter for part two, but we ran more pages. Like this one's 80 pages now. We got more friends on this who, and to do another book. And um, Vinny brought in Killer Cross and we brought in uh, Bill Howard, who's a commercial artist who's worked with the big companies and 
of course, myself, Adam and Miller. Then we got Lisa Jones, who does stuff for Red Gorilla Entertainment. And then we got our buddy Josh Hall from Scarlet Lane Brewing, who does different publications. And it was really random, man, just getting this stuff and just like seeing this book that we created as a whole. So it was like that line from, uh, was it No No Handlebars? Like me and my friends made a comic book. That's legitly what we lived. And we got to live it again with Tales, too. I mean, and, and, and I personally, I'll, I'll go on record. I'm a backer. I'm looking forward to getting the, the second one. Um, and I mean, you describe it really well where it's like it's it, it's a group of artists kind of getting together and trying to one up each other and trying to to put out the, the best product. Now, I've, I'm on record as saying I'm uh, not the biggest fan of horror. Um, if you've listened to the, we have a commercial running all of October for the crypto closet. Um, in it, I mentioned how I am going to hide under the covers and, and the, everything about October is terrifying. <laughs> um, but even with that, like the, the, you, the art and like the, the time and effort that went into this is, is really amazing. And I, I truly encourage, um, when it's available, to non-backers, uh, definitely reach out uh, and try to get uh, your hands on a copy of, of The Crypto Closet 2. Um, it's a really fun book. Um, and I, I truly uh, want everyone to seek out Julio. I mean, we, we talked today about um, how like art has kind of been in his life. Um, but he's really, the, the, the passion he, he exudes um, is contagious. And I think he is what he's able to put out. Um, it's it honestly, I'm I'm amazed that you haven't made it even bigger um, at this point. Um, so with that, can Hulu? Can you kind of share how people can get a hold of you and where they can can reach you? Yeah. Uh, so of course, Instagram, uh, which is uh, La de Arte. Uh, or wait, hold on. Sorry, that's messed up. So La Guerra de Arte is uh, my website. So it's L-A-G-U-E-R-R-A-D-E-A-R-T-E.com. Uh, and then Arte de Guerra is my Instagram. Uh, I have a Patreon, which is La Guerra de Arte 2, and uh, an Etsy shop as well. And it's the same thing, uh, La Guerra de Arte. Absolutely. And we'll make sure to link all those in the description. Um, I just can't say enough good things about Julio. Um, I, I very much appreciate you coming on. When I started this podcast, uh, you were absolutely one of the first people I thought of. Um, the only reason that you're on so late in this, I thought it just made more sense to have you right around Halloween. Um, cause you're into all that spooky stuff that I <laughs> am not. Um, and then kind of as, as a closing, is there anything you want uh, to let the listeners know? Any upcoming projects uh, or, I mean, any any closing words that you would like to pass on? Oh, man. Yeah, so we have a few things. Um, so um, we have some virtual conventions that we're doing with Gorilla Publishing. Unfortunately, due to pandemic stuff, it, it sucks. And uh, conventions is a big thing for us as indie creators and everything to get the, the books in the hands of, of people. And so we're doing virtual conventions, which is 
slowly becoming the norm and, and kind of fun and, and a lot better than doing no conventions. So we have one coming up uh, with the Hammond Public Library. So you can check out their Facebook uh, to find out more information excuse me, more information about that. Uh, we will be doing some in-store stuff uh, with uh, CDC regulations due to the pandemic. So we'll be hitting some shops in Chicago uh, and Northwest Indiana. And we're planning to go down to Indianapolis uh, so we can visit our brothers over at Scarlet Lane and do some stuff for Tales from the Cryptic Closet 2 there. Uh, for Gorilla Publishing, we have some uh, a D&D &D type uh, comic coming out. So basically it's like a choose your own, own adventure comic book called Dark Echo by Adam Farster. Uh, we currently have Gun Workout, which is the latest from Ben Miller, which is a interracial hitman couple on the run. Uh, they have some things going on with the mafia. So that's there. And then uh, currently I'm working on the last installment of the misadventures of death bag. Wow. I think that, that, that shows everyone. They have plenty of reading. They need to get done soon. <laughs> um, and also, I mean, as we're, we're leaving the scary season, we move on to the, the, the more happy holiday, depending on your family, I guess I shouldn't say it's not necessarily happy for everyone. Um, like those holiday seasons, these are all great gifts as well. So definitely consider, um, check out his website again. It's linked in the description. Um, and I just want to say thank you again, Julio, for your time, for your friendship, for the art that you have shared with the world. Um, I'll be sure to learn how to figure out how to, uh, create my own tag so that I can go out. Um, <laughs> I don't stay up as late, so it'll probably be like late afternoon. Uh, get 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 some uh, get some street art out there, um, and then everyone listening, uh, you can check us out. Um, you can go to Instagram at What Do You Like Podcast. Uh, you can go to Twitter at WDYL Podcast. Um, you can go to our website What Do You Like Podcast dot com. Um, and then, yeah, just, just find us, uh, make sure you, uh, subscribe if you've liked this conversation. Um, and then also, uh, if you happen to use iTunes, a five-star review is always appreciated. Thank you again, Julio and everyone out there listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you, sir.